When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. James is going to be muted again. He looks okay. He's good now. Did you miss me? I guess not because we are back again. Even with the music still just rolling on through, David Moore Studios here with us to talk some more Maple Leaf Camp and have some fun. David, welcome back to the Offside Airwaves. I am excited to be back. I wait for these invitations, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, the door is always open for the Locked On Leafs crew. Careful. When you tell an Italian the door is open. We, 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 we We take advantage of that door being open. We don't even knock. We just come in. He's just going to find the link somehow, and he's just going to walk right into a random episode someday. That's fine. Hey, every Sunday and Wednesday, we'll be going throughout the season. It's in the evening, so you know it's probably before your locked-on broadcast. You can use us as the warm-up, the pregame, if you will, to get yourself ready for your show. Yeah, now we're back to five days a week. It's like... Love, love this team. Five days a week. <laughs> it's well, you know, there's a lot of people that do it five days a week, so I can't. Complain. I was going to say, David, it's a 24 hour thing. If you're a Leafs fan, come on, 24 hours, seven days a week. What are we doing? 24. Here? We're going to find extra reasons <laughs> to make it longer than 24 hours in a day. <laughs> uh, Some fair. days, as a Leaf fan, it feels like it's longer. Um, I want to get your initial gut reaction to camp so far. There's been some things thrown out there that, hey, as Leaf fans we've thought about or haven't thought about or said, whoa, hold on a minute here. You got Brad Living saying, hey, this defense is, it's underrated, folks. It's underrated. I think people need to give it some time to uh, come together and figure itself out and all this good stuff. And we all were like, well, hold on. I think we need one more bonafide name. And then there's William Nylander. Hey, at center, we'll talk about him in just a minute. But what are your initial things to start out here at camp? Yeah, I mean, it's like you try to figure out where the pieces are going in the puzzle, but a lot of it you can kind of already figure it out for yourself. Like, who's going to be on the top pairing? Well, I mean, you look at the options. You're not putting John Klingberg and Morgan Rowley on the ice together at 5-on-5 five five unless you need a goal, right? Like, in, If you're putting them out there all the time at 5-on-5, five five, that's a little bit of a problem together. So, like, you already know, like, Sheldon Keefe is one where he will try things, but to a degree of sanity, right? So you can already guess where certain things were going. Then they throw the William Nylander playing center curveball that kind of just like 
we're gonna do this again okay <laughs> let's let's do this let's do this all over again i'm ready for that ride again and then you know there's it you try to figure out also the caption shenanigans they're gonna have to go through to even make this roster qual you know even qualify for the season right so there's just so many things you have to figure out as training camp goes along but then you hear yeah bratch living's obviously probably the best support like uh, he's trying to bring that kyle do mantra of he's not he's gonna support this team no matter what people say ah you know what two days before like a week before ray farrow said this isn't a, a defense that's gonna win the cup and then brad children's like no i think our defense is pretty underrated like i think he understands that what's being said in the media about his team and he's not he's willing to kind of you know throw some cold water on it yeah right he's gonna throw cold water he's he is like if you if people are upset with Kyle Dubas leaving, one thing you will never be upset about with Brad Living is he will go to bat for this team just like Kyle Dubas did. So I think a lot of Leafs fans should be at least happy about that. But it's also like Brad, we just saw, you know, the teams that went to the Stanley Cup final. Well, maybe Ford's defense is a little different than Vegas's defense, as we found out. But you saw what the Golden Knights, that blue line that they had, albeit not salary cap compliant what they were able to do and how they were, that team was put together. And then you stack it up with what the Leafs are going into the season with. And you're just like, I don't know about that one, chief. I don't know about that one. That's very true. I mean, there's a lot of things that can shake out between here and the deadline, obviously, but I, I will beat this drum and Clark, you know, me when it comes to my drum beating throughout the season, either I get what I want or something happens the way that I want. <laughs> Hello, uh, Matthew Nyes on the penalty kill today. <clears throat> Uh, said that last show with Terry Koshan, and he was out there. David Camp starting in overtime said that was a smart thing to try, and it came to fruition. We can go down the list, but this one is going to be for me is Jake McCabe. Guys, mine was Jake McCabe him. before they traded for it. You remember, James? You I was were, listen, you were. That was me. What I'm trying to tell everybody now is because people are just like, oh, this defense. We have not seen a full season of Jake McCabe with the Toronto Maple Leafs in this system. He has the speed. He can hit. He does block shots. He does have a little bit of an edgier kind of play than people give him credit for. And when he was with Chicago, Chicago was not a great team. So obviously he's not going to look great. When he was with Buffalo and coming through, looked a lot better there when that team was kind of on the rise, so to speak. And he was one of the better players on that squad. Now with the Maple Leafs, he doesn't have to be a standout defenseman. He just needs to be a steady defenseman which he can be a steady stay-at-home physical guy and let Klingberg wheel and deal. But you get him for a full year, full ride with the Maple Leafs, and a lot of people are already kind of writing him off because of just a small sample size of last year. Let this guy become what he can be become for the Toronto Maple Leafs in this system, and I think you will be pleasantly surprised. The pair that worries me is Giordano and Lilligren because Lilligren has to step his game up significantly to make that bottom pair look good. And Giordano needs to have nights off, which he doesn't like to take apparently to be effective towards the end of the season. But guys, a full season of Jake McCabe. Yes, sir. Sign me up. I will buy that ticket right now because I think that guy is going to be beneficial. And I think Klingberg will be that member Clark. Me and you were running around in circles, chasing our tails about David camp, telling everybody, watch this guy's going to be something for us. He ended up being the fourth, third line center we've needed for years. Jake McKay mm -hmm. and Klingberg, that pairing is going to be the thing that I hang my hat on this year. Talking, like about, talking about 
third line centers in quotations. Um, I do truly think that maybe it's because it's his contract year that not only for him that, but they're trying to prove that he can play both. But my initial thought was Nylander might go to center to play the second line so that maybe John Tavares can take a break because he is slowing down, to be honest. David, I want to get your thoughts. Do you think that Nylander is going to permanently stay at center or where do you think that he's going to play during this season? Yeah, I, I kind of had this discussion with myself on the podcast where it's like, what's the real reason for putting Nylander at center? Is it to have the you know three scoring lines, right? Make your third line, you know, not just a line you throw out there for to eat minutes, but actually be effective. Or are we setting ourselves up to seeing Nylander finally transition to a center because Sheldon Keefe has always believed that William Nylander is a center? Like you hear Sheldon Keefe talk about it. He's talking this into existence himself more than to everybody else, right? And so, like, I prefer, and what we saw in the playoffs when, with Ryan O'Reilly at third line center made this Leafs team that much tougher to go up against, right? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. When they loaded things up at the top six, it just didn't work as well. That's why I think the third line center role actually should work for Nylander if they, you know, insulate him with the right, right players, right? I understand that Tavares is slowing down and things like that, but the guy still put up 80 points. And, 80 and 80 uh, last year. Point per game player. True that. Right? I know a lot of people are down on, on Tavares, my co-host especially. We had a nice <laughs> little talk about that uh, in our one of our last episodes. But I think, again, it's also the players you put him with. I always yep. said that Tavares and Marner were a better fit for each other, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I thought they always worked better together because – Austin Matthews, as much as he loves playing with Mitch Marner, he compliments everybody. He comp, yeah, exactly, right? Like Cal Yarncroke looked. That's what I was going to say. with them, right? Yeah. They put William Nylander with back with Matthews, and it worked out, right? Like I'm more concerned about, yeah, making John Tavares better, the center that he can be, Ooh. and that was always with Marner there. Now, is there another player that could do that? They're going to try Matthew Nice potentially oh, yeah. there, or a mix of other guys. I, yeah, I'm more concerned about the second line than I am about Nylander because Nylander can get those sheltered, not even sheltered minutes. He's going to get the the better offerings of the matchups, yeah. right? Especially, you know, the Leafs love their matchups. That's always been their thing. I think what we saw in the playoffs last year, I think Sheldon Keefe saw a little bit of that, and he wants to give that another go. And I mean, they should give it a go because you don't really have many great options for third-line center. You don't. Right, Max you know, Domi. Yeah, we're talking about like Pontus Holmberg, or <laughs> yeah, you know, who's it going to be? So, what Marley's going to fill that role? So, if you do put that player there, if you put Nylander there, even I think they got a taste of Ryan O'Reilly at third C, and even if you put John Tavares at third C, eventually, maybe not this season or maybe throughout this season, it just makes teams have to game plan against you differently. And what do the Leafs have a surplus in? They have a surplus in wingers who can definitely fill out the rest of that lineup. Not only just any type of winger, so skilled guys. Hello, Nick Robertson. Hello, Matthew Nyes, Bertuzzi. Go down the list. Domi. They got all kinds of guys now that can really fill out those lines and really make it a headache for other teams. And oh, by the way, why not just throw out you know, a big line here and there when you need a goal? Matthews, Marner, Tavares. Matthew, Marner, Nylander. And you still have a center that can take a second line role. And take a run at it after you've stacked up a line. 
can still make teams have to defend that as well. So, yeah, I, I think it's high time. And I think they got a taste of it last year, David. And they loved the fact that they had that third line depth option for another line you could throw that can get you points. And I, I really think, I don't care what anybody says, Tavares is still a top talent. 80 points yeah. in 80 games. You can, and he's 14 you can, pounds lighter this year or whatever. Yeah, I know. I, like, he said that in a he, press conference. He's skinnied up. All right. Listen, he's going to be flying him. around the ice. Paul Matheson's going to be trying to catch him. Catch him flying. <laughs> Listen, he's going to be whatever he's going to be for the Maple Leafs. Second or third line center, doesn't matter. He's going to put up points. Put him with guys. Put him with somebody you can play with, with some speed. Put him with Roberts, Robertson and Nice. There you go. And then make your second line, you know, Domi, Yarncroke, Nylander, like they had today. And just make it work. Or Sam Lafferty for crying out loud. I don't know. He's got speed too, I guess. But Top six (laughs) forward, Sam Lafferty. Listen, hey, you know what? Maybe all the time he's just been miscast. (laughs) And this will get him over to Carolina on a six-year deal with five million in his pocket after the season because he scored Michael Bunting type points. You're looking at it the wrong way. He already has a five by five from the Oilers waiting on his agent's desk. That's where he's gonna. Wow. He's already got the five by five. It's already been reported. Only five years. They like going seven (laughs) with certain guys. You're right. Especially maybe Tree Tree Living will sign him to eight years and and get a pickback this time, like he didn't do with Hyman that time. uh, he didn't do it, Dubis. You know what I meant. You got the joke. Uh, but David, let's look at the the penalty kill. We we were just talking about this um, with how good the penalty kill was a couple of years ago. Last year was a bit of a step back. Not that it was bad, but uh, numbers wise, you know, they were middle of the road in terms of numbers. Um, there's all this talk about who's going to be on the penalty kill this year because obviously Kerfoot's gone, and uh, some of the other guys who have kind of filled that role are now not here or not in Toronto. I should say I'm not in Toronto. I'm in Saskatchewan, so I'm not. Not they're not here either, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Matthews, Austin Matthews. I, I the quotes at the press conferences today was I think it was Sheldon Keefe or maybe Tree Living even said something about it in his, but he's one of the best players in the world. You just want him on the ice as much as you can. Uh, and Keefe kind of said that, but then also backed it up by saying, you know, we haven't done it in the past because we want him out there that first shift after the penalty kill when the other team's not so good players are on the ice and he can take advantage of it. I get it all. Uh, but he is a very good player. We've seen him develop in front of our eyes. Matthew Nyes is seemingly a responsible player, but we don't know enough about him yet. I mean, hopefully we get to know a lot about him this year. But in your eyes, the penalty kill, David, what do you think uh, would be like some ideal pairs, uh, some guys who you think will take the bulk of the minutes? I know there's some obvious names, but... I'll let you go ahead. Go So penalty kill, hit me. Yeah, I mean, you look at how teams have deployed their penalty kills, and the, the big reason why they were looking at Matthews, as you said, is to get more offensive guys on there. Like, the Bruins have Brad Marchand on penalty kill, right? I know he's got more of the speed element. He's more aggressive, and that usually translates to a lot of offensive opportunities. It also, like, Matthews does the one thing that every penalty killer needs to do, and that's win faceoffs, right? And he has that body. I don't like him blocking shots. You know, they've had that side of him being the, you know, the four that blocked the most shots. I'm like, yeah, but that also wears you down as the season goes along, especially if you're not blocking shots properly. I'm sure he's working on it. Right. But, you know, a lot of people talked about the penalty kill and I, you know, I wasn't thrilled with how the penalty kill was last year. Like Jake Mm -hmm. Muslin was a guy I always missed on the penalty kill. And this is where the next Jake, Jake McCabe is going to have to really, step up and take them take that role right 
Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it's the second penalty kill unit, right? Like, who? Like, is it going to be Mark Giordano? That's a lot of minutes to put on him. Who's the other guy that's going to be there? Morgan Riley did some penalty kill today, as you saw in the preseason game, and like they're just there, <laughs> right? They're not. I'm not expecting more guys out of the way or things like that. I've always had issues in that regard with the least penalty kill. Like it's a little too easy at times. They got to get in the lanes and they got to hope their goaltender just give their goaltenders a chance to see the puck and hopefully he stops it. So I don't mind Austin Matthews getting a try as the second unit, right? Like where he's not used all the time in those situations. Cause we know it's going to be David camp and it's going to be Mitch Marner likely going to be the top penalty kill unit. And then they like to rotate guys. This is the thing about penalty kills. They can throw out different guys out there. Like, you know, Sam Lafferty probably gets that role too, because he's got this again, the speed element. Again, that's assuming he makes the team, right? Like that's not all mm. given certain there. And you, you, this is where guys win jobs out of camp, right? If someone wants to really make make themselves known that they want a, a, a bigger role, penalty kill is one way to do it. Special teams is one way to really earn it, right? Like, can a Cali Yarncroke be that guy down the road, right? We all no know Gregor. that. Right? Yeah, anyone that's kind of doing things where they're trying to get themselves on the roster, but they're limited in their roles as a, like a bottom six guy, penalty kill is the way to do it. So I, Austin Matthews should, I have no issues that they want to trot him out there once in a while to get like a face off and things like that. But to use him heavily on the penalty kill, I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of that just because I know that that just screams potential for injuries to be an issue. Uh, well, listen, don't poo poo my dream of seeing Matthew Nyes and Austin Matthews, the all <laughs> AZ forward group on the penalty kill. I want to see them do it, man. I, I think it would be some fun. Both guys really can chase the puck down. Matthew Nyes, from the small sampling we've seen, really is good at puck retrieval and really good at working the walls. Not afraid to block the shots either. Not afraid to take the body. Um, basically been labeled a prototypical power forward so far. So we'll yeah. see how that develops. But you're right. They do rotate guys in and out. I mean, maybe you see uh, Lafferty Nyes or you know a Matthews Yarncroke, just whatever. But uh, the more elements you have to be able to use, Maybe you can situationally use it against teams too, knowing Matthews matches up good against McKinnon, but not so good against maybe Steven Stamkos or whatever it is. You know, those things may come yeah. into factor as well for the Toronto Maple Leafs and, when they're building. Keith, Keith mentioned it today too. I think it was today. Uh, something along the lines of like, hey, if we're in a situation where like we're down and we need to be a little bit more aggressive on a PK, that's the type of situation you would put an Austin Matthews out there because. Again, he's one of the best attackers in hockey. So if you can get him out there and maybe he snipes off a pass or maybe he knocks a pass out of the air and something goes the other way, like that's kind of the time you would. Maybe he's not out there when you're up 4-1 or if it's 0-0 or anything like that. But if you can put him out there and you're down a goal or maybe two and you need a little bit of a who knows, that's the time. I think that's the time you do it. Well, speaking of the time to do it, the time to do it right now is with our friends over at the Hockey Podcast Network. They've partnered up with DraftKings, and you know what it is around here. It is very easy to get in on all of the action, especially with our friends over at DraftKings. If you bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets, throw down five on any of this week's epic matchups and walk away an instant winner. Football is more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now. Sign up with the code THPN. 
New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with the code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for your problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS, licensed partner of the Golden Lake Charles, LA, 21 plus, age vary by jurisdiction, Void in Ontario, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football for terms and eligibility, terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. So get yourself over there. Use the code THPN and tell them offside sent you. Let's roll. And um, batteries not included. That's it right there. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're not there. Nope. Not, no um, speaking of batteries being included, we have Riley oh, and Klingberg uh, being the battery that will run Power Play 1 and Power Play 2. Um, seeing Klingberg being the battery on Power Play 1, I'm wondering for you, David, obviously when Tyson Berry came in, this same thing happened. They put Tyson Berry on PP1, um, took it away from Morgan Riley. Um, Morgan Riley's always been a good sport. He'll do whatever it takes for the team to win. Um, that's just a position he likes to be in uh, is PP1, but he'll do PP2 or whatever it needs to be. Are we seeing too much overreaction to start, just to start a camp here and into the preseason where this may not be what shakes out? You know, Riley may still be number one, or are they looking for that added wrinkle of Klingberg, right shot, first power play unit as something different for the Maple Leafs this season? Overreaction about the Leafs in training camp? I don't know what you're talking about. Like That's an oxymoron. <laughs> I remember oxymoron. when Tyson Berry was on, on the top power play unit. I also remember Mike Babcock being the coach during that period, especially mm-hmm. in the beginning. And, you know, Mike Babcock has his ways, let's just say. And then when Sheldon Keefe came in, things kind of improved a little bit for Tyson Berry. So I... I think the Leafs, yeah, is Klingberg different than Morgan Riley? Absolutely. He's more of a shooter. I actually thought that when he signed, that was going to be a possibility for him. Like, he's a guy that drives offense. And the issue with the Leafs power play, in my opinion, has always been that players would, the penalty codes would always collapse down to the net because we know that Morgan Riley isn't going to be shooting to score on the power play until he started doing it in the playoffs. And then teams had to you know, account for that a little bit, but you know, like you have to find ways to open up things for your, for your star forwards. You can't have Pelicans thinking that they're going to be able to block every attempt that Austin Matthews has down low, or even a Mitch Marner pass, right? You got to spread things out, make them actually respect the point, man. Cause that's the point of the power play. That's the point of the quarterback. He's got to, di- he's and I, and John Klinger is going to be able to dish it out too. Like this idea that he is going to be a shoot first guy. I don't think that's going to be thing because he knows the other guys that are with him are really good yeah this isn't like minnesota okay yeah anaheim had some decent players but not like what the leafs have right this is yeah he's got like 160 goals standing 20 feet away from him at any time yeah 
right so like and it just ma- it makes them so like i think of it like almost like the john carlson in in washington like you had to respect john carlson even though you had ovechkin on the other side yeah that's just the way that's how a good power play is supposed to operate and now with the oilers like how much better that oilers power play got funny enough when tyson berry left and it was bouchard at the point because bouchard has a shot that you had to respect right mm-hmm. And then he could then eventually say, you know what? I'm not going to shoot. I'm going to give it to McDavid. Oh, McDavid doesn't want it. He's going to give it to Dreisaitl. That's how you run a very lethal power play. And how many times I've seen the Leafs power play not take advantage, right? It'll also be nice if they can get a five on three once in a while. They did today, and I was cheering for that in the preseason. (laughs) Yes, things are changing finally. But like that's that's where I see that happening. I think they're going to give, again, Sheldon Keefe will give Klingberg his opportunities. If it's like historically bad power play then they're gonna make they can go they can go back to what they what's worked for them in the past so i say you got to change things up once in a while things have got always get too stagnant sometimes with the leafs so embrace something different everyone embrace, embrace the change that's it embrace yeah it. the quote today the quote today was like we have a large enough sample size i think it was keith uh of what morgan riley looks like as our power play quarterback we don't have any sample size of what john klingberg looks like as our power play quarterback so we want to give him a chance and um i said this with uh with kyle cushman last episode but morgan riley said today you know if john klingberg makes our power play better great and you know like i said it's the leadership that morgan riley has because he he under he's he's capable of stepping aside if there's something else there and uh you know i just i'm looking forward to it i want to see it happen like I, I always say Morgan Riley is the captain without the letter on it on his jersey. That is so true. That is so yeah. true. That's who I wanted yeah. to be captain when the uh, the vacancy was there, but JT's not a bad second choice. Stuff happens. Um David, I know that we have some cap issues. Of course, we're Toronto and we have star players. Um where do you see Lafferty? In this lineup, if you do at all, do you think that he is somebody that might have to be put on waivers? Or I know that you can't predict an injury to happen and that person gets put on LTIR for cap uh, compliancy. But uh, do you think that Lafferty has a job in this top nine uh, or just the forward group itself? Um, Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I'd like to see Lafferty in the top nine because, you know, when you have a guy making over a million dollars in the fourth line, okay, sorry, Ryan Reeves, uh, <laughs> aside, like, I, I just think Lafferty, to use him properly, he's got to be in those positions where he's actually playing, right? Yeah. And using yeah. that speed, his speed, like, it, it showed in the playoffs just how good Sam Lafferty can be when he's used in positive situations. Right. I understand it was rough when he first got here, people, but it takes time to adjust. But if the Leafs can get him that defined role to start camp, yeah. But then if other guys are playing better, hey, this is a business, right? Like, I understand you don't want to lose guys for nothing, but if if other players, if other forwards are better and it's Lafferty that's got to be the guy that goes, it's a good chunk of change that you can get off the cap, whether it's by waving or trading. Right, like you don't necessarily just have to put them on waivers. If yeah, team has a need and they would they like a Sam Lafferty, sure we'll get we'll make a they can make a deal work that way. But yeah, the wish the issues with the cap is uh, it, like I've done so many of those cap friendly tools to see how exactly this can work. 
the different combinations and it's going to be interesting to see where which direction the Leafs go in that regard. I think like finding depth that's cheaper would certainly help in that regard. And I'm sure that's why Lafferty name, Lafferty's name has come up because if you're putting a lot of money on your fourth line with Camp, Lafferty, and Reeves, God, that's a really expensive fourth line, right? Yeah. That's why I think they're giving Lafferty that chance right now with John Tavares because, hey, you're we see a little more than you than a fourth liner. That's clearly what they're telling them right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think too, like balance is is so important in the lineup as well. And if you're gonna commit to this whole Nylander third line center or however wherever you put him in the lineup, I think yep. balancing that and knowing in the past that John Tavares has carried guys to multiple million dollar contracts like Matt Molson and those guys in the past. Uh, I think Sam Lafferty is a great candidate, and I think you need a little bit of speed with John. So anytime you can put a guy like Lafferty out with a Tavares, I think like you said, maybe they see more than, than some others do. And I, I don't hate it. And like you said, they can always change it. They can change it anytime they want. Like when they had the injuries last year and they had to move the lineup around Lafferty and Nylander formed a line together, right? Like they had to throw Lafferty into that top role, you know, top six role. And it worked right mm-hmm. for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And so they eventually made more changes, but like you can see there's glimpses to say that it could work. But I guess at the same time, like, no, it could not work. You you yeah. don't know until you try. This is the trying season, right? This is where you try everything and hope something sticks. Yep. 100%. Well, talking about guys that we hope stick, we hope that the waiver wire doesn't claim another victim and we get Jones and Wool both to stick with the Toronto Maple Leafs in some capacity. Now, I'm wondering for you, I'm a big Wool fan, you know this, Everybody on this podcast and who's ever listened to this knows this. I've been beating this drum for the past couple of years with Joe Wool. I thought he was ready to be here. I think he should be here. I think he's proven he deserves to be here. But with Jones coming in and 27 wins in his back pocket and other teams probably sniffing around to grab that, how do the Maple Leafs navigate these waters knowing they want Jones to be their third string goalie if Samson Overwool gets hurt? And for you, is it Wool or Jones, or is it just strictly Wool? Like, for me, I've been a big Joseph Wool supporter, even when he didn't have the big season with Marley's and then get brought up. Like, I saw there was something there, and I would see him at, you know, prospect tournaments and things like that. And I'm like, there is something there with him. It's just injuries, right? That's you can just say thing. he wasn't just another brick in the wool, right? Uh, <laughs> oh. Good one. But, like, for me, it's like you don't need to make that Martin Jones decision right now. Injuries happen, right? Yep. We, know, we know that one of these goalies, knock on wood, it doesn't happen, but one of these goalies could go down, and then guess what? Martin Jones, you're up, right? Yep. And, you know, other injuries could, lead, could open up a spot for Martin Jones to stick around on the team, right? Like, I think you got to use the time as much as possible to gauge as much as possible. And then look, if at the end of the day, Joseph wall, which I'm, they have a lot of high hopes for a lot of least fans have high hopes for if he cements his spot and look, people are not just talking about Joseph wall as a backup. Joseph wall starts from Elias Samsonov. And in my opinion, only one guy is signed past this season is Joseph wall and not Samsonov. Now, yeah, that's also because of the whole arbitration situation, right? But 
you know, they, I think they want to see, do they have something in Joseph Wall and could they use that potentially to help their goaltending situation going forward? So if Joseph Wall, for some reason, gets put on waivers, I'm going to have to question the people up above <laughs> of what they're doing, right? Like, I don't think they were ever bringing Martin Jones in to say that they don't have confidence in Joseph Wall. It's just smart management to say we have to guard ourselves from what has happened in the past, which is we don't have a goalie signed. We have to now sign a goaltender from the AHL to even just be a backup. Yeah, I, I remember Petrozelli come on down. So, yeah. and the and the depth in the Marlies and in the in, down below is very inexperienced, right? That's why Martin Jones is here. If they had somebody more experienced, ready to battle for a third goaltender job, they wouldn't have signed Martin Jones. So, take. I think right now the the plan should be take your time evaluate everything, see what happens during camp. I, I expect Joseph Wolf to be the guy that takes that backup role. And then with Martin Jones, if you lose him on waivers, it's unfortunate, but it's also your third goaltender, right? This isn't like where you lost your backup goaltender when you're near, you know, I, I'm trying to remember, was it Curtis McElhaney that we lost on waivers? McElhaney, right? yeah. McElhaney Dell. Okay. And there's, um, what's well, the other guy? Well, Dell, I don't even, that's, that's what, that's one of the That's okay. That didn't really pan out for. That was, worked out great, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't work out too bad in that regard, but like, it's not like you losing an, a true backup like they did when they lost Curtis McElhaney and they were like, uh, now we're kind of, Wishing we had kept him. I think it was was a Garrett yeah. Sparks that they chose over yeah, him. Yep. Yeah, with the Garrett well, Sparks, Sparks had a yeah. beautiful year in the AHL, though. Like, I mean, yeah. in fairness, yeah. Same he kind was, of talking we're having with Joe Wool right now, where Joe Wool had a great year in the AHL. You're like, oh, well, we should take this young guy because he's probably going to be something. And Garrett Spark was like, no, I'm not. Mm. Sorry. Right. Yeah. And like Joe Wool played playoff games for you last year, and he kept your playoffs alive when you he lost did. starting goaltender, right? He, I, yep. I think it counts for something as well. Hell Absolutely. Yeah. And his numbers were fantastic in the NHL as well as the AHL. So I think that also adds to his resume. But let's talk about uh, a guy that we have talked about on the show a little bit here coming into this camp and everything, and Nick Robertson. And uh, I'm on the record saying I think he could potentially be a bit of an X factor, not necessarily the X factor, but a bit of an X factor, uh, just in terms of, again, cheap control player who is has skill and has shown promise to be something. Uh, and if he can take uh, one of those roster spots and save you three, $400,000 over somebody else, uh, maybe that's the way to go. But we still don't know Nick Robertson. I mean, he's, he's never had the chance because of injury. And we talked about it um, last episode, but you know, he's still just barely 22 years old. And uh, I think a lot of people, just because we've been talking about him every day for the last four years, it seems like he's a lot older, but he's still only just 22. So David, I guess what's your outlook and perspective on the Nick Robertson fit in this franchise? Yeah, it's it's a tough one for him because it's always been injuries for him. It's never like, yeah, some of it has been play, but he's also just so young. How can you like, you know, some players take a little longer to develop. You know, he's didn't have the size. And I feel like when I read that interview or the, the article that was done in the athletic about him, where he used some very not so great language, like Nick, let's get that in check. Okay. But what I, what I saw there was, I think he finally realized he needed to take that pressure off himself to be that top prospect that, you know, 
prove yourself. He has to prove himself for sure. But I think he, there was added pressure on him to always give 110%. Yep. Right? Like they've told him before in practices, you need to dial it down just a tad, right? Like that's been said about him. I think Haley Wickenheiser told him the same thing too. Jeez. Like you, you're. She's a doctor, so she. Would know. <laughs> yeah, you should listen to your doctor, right? Like they always. I remember us. a couple of years ago too. He was drilling. He wasn't even at his first camp yet. He'd just been drafted, but he was hitting up all the leaf strength and conditioning coaches, getting them to send him plans so he mm. could use them in California throughout a summer instead of taking time to rest, heal, and you know re-energize a little bit. They told him, "Take your foot off the gas. Just take a minute here, and just you'll come to camp, and we'll show you these things." You don't you don't need them right now, and he just every day was after them until they finally caved. And I think okay. he was one of the prospects that got the Leafs in trouble when they were having guys using the facilities, right? And the yep. Leafs got a little trouble. Pretty sure he was one of those guys because he never wanted to leave the facility. I think a lot of the pressure though does come from you know not only being in Toronto, but like his brother has lived up to yep. quite the hype, and he doesn't have his height to be honest. I. I Feel bad for the poor guy because he got Ask the better. Ask fans about the beginning of last year, though, that the hype was real at that point when he scored yeah. those overtime goals. It's true. Yeah. No. Right. Like there is some of that too. I do think, and when you're touted as such a high prospect, that comes with that expectation, and so yeah. he puts it on himself. And I have no problem with the guy that wants to exceed those expectations, but yeah. you have to follow the people so that are gonna have your your best interest at hand right True. so i would love to see him make the least have to do make a very tough decision when it comes to the final rosters because yeah. you need game breakers you need dynamic players i don't always say you need the biggest guys because the least have added size right like they've got guys who have size this is not a small team by any stretch the imagination i understand that they always draft small players but you know we see we see the potential that he has now, will I be disappointed if he doesn't make the roster? A little bit, but at the same time, he's waiver eligible, right? I'm not worried about losing a Nick Robertson, right? It wouldn't be the worst thing if he goes to the Marlies, plays a lot of minutes, has that Dominated. desire to get himself up there. And we know sometimes it's not a long wait sometimes for these players, you know? A player could struggle, get put on waivers. Nick Robertson, you're now up, right? Now, if Sam Lafferty really struggles, and hey, Nick Robertson, that might be your opportunity to step on up, right? I, I think, you know, he he definitely sees that the organization still has high hopes for him. I liked what Brad Living had to say because when a new GM comes in, they didn't draft the guy, so they don't have that attachment to that player. So I do like that Brad Living, you know, I think gave him that assurance to say we still have high hopes in this player. They see the talent. They see the age. Why give up on that right now? There's no reason to, unless there's a trade for a defenseman where you, know, <laughs> you have to throw Nick Robertson in the package. Sometimes you. All have right, to- let's go to cap friendly and work that trade out right now. Who are we targeting? <laughs> no, have you ever seen us do those on Locked On Leafs where we do the live cap friendly? Yep. Oh man. Mike puts me through the ringer sometimes where I have to, but he's he's a master at cap friendly. I'll tell I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, me and him would be friends. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to see Nick Robertson put his best foot forward to make this team and make a very tough decision because he's a guy that I've always had faith in. 
You know, I saw it when he when he was drafted, had that really good year in the OHL. Yeah. Like there's that different expectations when you're drafted by the Leafs and then you're in the OHL. More people are now w- looking at what you're doing, right? And he d- that didn't hurt his stock at all. So I I think there is he understands the pressure, but I think he thrives with that pressure too. And the the opportunities there too, if they're going to be running those three centers down the middle, I mean, he would yeah. fit well with. Obviously, your first line is probably pretty much penciled in, but Tavares, Nylander, put Robertson there for the speed aspect. We talked about John Tavares maybe needing a speedy winger. We talked about Lafferty's foot speed, but Robertson does have that. Then you pair it up maybe with the Nyes, a guy who can really dig for the puck, and maybe you got something there, some found found gold on a cheap contract too. So I don't know, man. I want to see Nick Robertson do well. Um, I just – the injuries, man. It just seems to be a freak injury after freak injury. And this guy just can't get his footing. So maybe this is it. He said he bulked up. He said he's stronger. You know, he's ready to go. And everybody, by all accounts, is saying the same things. This guy has come in and just looks different. So, and his shot looks good too, by the way. Saw those videos. Well, that was never an issue. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, just just seeing it right where he had that shoulder injury, you know, you want to see the velocity coming off that stick. And it doesn't look like he's lost an inch of that. If anything, he's gained. So, I don't know, man. Nick Robertson, make the damn team. Make them make, make the, the tough decisions. Team. Get on there, boy. Get on there. Yeah. With the thought of playing three talented centers, um, we need some more depth on the wings. And I, I don't know if Noah Gregor is necessarily the answer to those questions, but – uh, we talked. We were talking about Nick Robertson. Um, what are your thoughts about a couple of the depth signings? Uh, you, I know that PTOs. we had Simon Benoit. I do believe so. The PTOs and everything. Um, do you see anybody that is on PTOs or in the depth uh, trying to make the conversation difficult on the the team uh, come lineup decision? Well, sorry to say for Dylan Gambrell, I'm sorry. I don't see him being that guy. I mean, right now, it seems like Noah Gregor has just supplanted him on the, just in that, hearing how, you know, Brad Living and Sheldon Keith had talked about him, even just before camp started, right? He's got uh, the Zach Aston Reese uh, allure yeah. right now, like last He's, year. <laughs> and like even the Locked on Sharks uh, um, host kind of told me that it's a guy who got a little unlucky. And we know some players when they're unlucky and they come to the Leafs, lucky they get lucky. a little bit, especially when you play with some better, some better players, right? So I think there is a bit of that Zach Gaston Reese with no with uh, Gregor there. The other issue though I, I see though is just they don't have a lot of room to add extra guys. No, so I just I don't know how you make that work unless you're challenging some of your higher paid guys like a Lafferty and then like you know Connor Timmins. Right, that's a name that doesn't. I, I don't see Connor Timmins here. Right, like that could be a guy that gets put on waivers because the Leafs didn't get, they didn't really put off anything to get him. Right, so and Dubis will claim him again Dubis if Dubis can him. afford him. <laughs> well, <laughs> Unfortunately, not everyone can go shop shopping in the waiver market. Maybe Arizona will claim him back just because. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. would just be cruel, but I mean, it's poor just, guy. Yeah, right. So. I do think that, you know, there are like um, Simo Benoit, he's got a bit of a bigger body. He's an RFA. So there's a bit of control with that contract. 
I also think that that guy spent so much time in the HL. I don't know if a team would even be wanting to put him on their roster, right? So like, that's the thing you have to consider is like if you're gonna sign a guy like like a Noah Gregor, is he gonna play for your NHL team or is he gonna are you gonna be putting him on waivers, right? And is that really worth the headache of going through all that, right? And let's not forget, it's not like you can just sign anyone to any NHL contracts. The Leafs have 47 out of 50 contracts. I'm always looking at that. And I mean, some people yeah. don't realize that that's one thing that keeps, keeps players from getting signed. Because once they're there, unless you're waving somebody else to make getting them off the books with their contracts or trading someone away, you have to keep that in mind because when you want to make trades down the road, like the Leafs did at the last trade deadline, guys have to be shipped out in order to bring guys in. Pierre Engvall, mm-hmm. Sandine, like all those trades that were made, a lot of those contracts had to go up because you have to stay within that 50 limit. So that's the other thing that you have to consider when you're looking at guys you're bringing in on PTOs. I do think Noah Gregor would have a fit here, though. Just the physicality, probably be a league minimum contract. Yep. Can probably give you things that a Lafferty would give you, you know. And then you look at Simone Benoit, probably can be supplanted over Connor Timmons, a guy that, again, is getting paid a little bit more than you probably want to be paying a guy that's not playing every night or probably not playing much at all. Yeah. Um, and I think James, too, like when we were talking about this the other day, right now, I think if they go to 20 guys and they use all the 20 guys that we would all think that they would keep on the roster right now, I think they're cap compliant. But they have to go bare bones, 20 guys. Like, that's no extra people. And we're in a situation where the Leafs are in a situation where they're like every 300K or 400K difference matters right now. So if you're talking Benoit over Timmons, that's 300K difference in terms of their contracts that you could. And if you're talking Lafferty and Gregor, that's four, what is it, 450, something like that. So you're talking 750K between those two guys. Like, that's that's extra body. That's an extra body, so uh, and potentially two extra bodies, depending on how you look at it. So, I mean, that's kind of the situation that the and I mean, it's Brandon Pridham. Are we are we worried? <laughs> like, what? No. Are we worried? <laughs> no. Never. No. Injuries have a way of figuring themselves out, and Cali Yarncroke is already apparently nicked up. So, you know, that's right. two point whatever. Well, that's another million. factor too, right? If Yarncroke goes on, that's what is it, two point two or what, two point one or whatever, and, and that clears it up and gives you at least like a month's wiggle room at least so you can figure some stuff out and then when he comes back or whatever well, it is. The thing about having is, that, but... you know, he, I don't ever want to see a guy injured, so don't put me on the books of saying no. this, but if a guy is injured... James wants Kelly Yarncroke injured, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't episode. want you injured, buddy. I really I like... I you guys are. can make that happen if you want, you know. Say <laughs> <laughs> the word. Oh, we're getting in, we're getting in trouble. <laughs> Jesus. But what I'm saying is if, if Yarncroke goes on there, you know, the good thing about that is, you know, the silver lining, if you will, is other teams will have to make their moves. They'll pick up guys on waiver wires. They'll fill spots that they need filled, which if you're able to hold on to a Jones or, you know, a Lafferty or whoever, Timmons, and then when he gets closer to coming back from that injury, put them through the waiver wire. Teams have already made their deck shuffling and done what they need to do. So it may be a little bit better of a time slipping them through Opposed to right when everybody's doing it, everybody's like, "Oh, this is the pick of the litter. Like, what are we going to get today?" You know, we're shopping. Yeah, a lot less people get claimed on that. day two of. A lot less people get claimed on day two of waivers than they do on day one of waivers. Usually, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, but even still, with Yarncroke, even if he's out for two weeks to start the season, that's two right. weeks later in, right? So, 
Also, yeah. I guess other teams could have injuries in that time, but I'm just saying it might be better for the Leafs to get some guys through like a Jones and et cetera, right? Sure. And you also have to think which teams would actually likely make a claim, right? There's a lot of teams that, yeah, have cap space, but are they going to waste those that cap space on? Like when you're looking at a Connor Timmons, it's not a one-year deal. This is a two-year deal. He has an he has an RFA at the end of it too. So, you know, teams have to keep that in mind. Are you gonna are you gonna commit to that player for two years? Along, you know, when you're making that waiver claim, things like that yeah. do, you know, take into account. Salary cap is going up. I get that, but salary cap isn't going up this year. All right. Yeah, it is what it is now. Yeah. Yeah. Teams are less likely to make certain moves because they want to save themselves for later in the season. You know, some of these teams that have the cap space, they want to keep that cap space if they want to, you know, make some moves and help other teams and get some assets in return. That's true. That's true. One guy I think that will be on the move if Tampa Bay doesn't make the playoffs, Steven Stamkos, putting that out there now. There seems to be a lot of friction between Stamkos and that organization. So speaking of players possibly on the move, uh, Tampa's not doing so hot. Maybe Stammer goes somewhere else. What was Ryan O'Reilly's contract last year? Seven five? What did Ryan O'Reilly make? Was, yeah, eight point five, double retained. How much money do the Leafs need to add Stamkos at the deadline? Okay, I'll figure it out. We'll get there. Do you imagine Stamkos just being like, Yeah, I want out and I'm going to Toronto? I'm gonna help those guys beat Toronto. Ball. Yeah. <laughs> I actually didn't even I don't know if if uh, Stamkos even has like a no move clause because that he really does have a no move clause. So, you know, if that, that becomes a thing. He can dictate exactly where he wants to go. The right-handed shot one T that we need on the power play. Please, oh please, sign me up for that. Also, you know, hey, Samco's helped the help the Lightning out with his contract. It also makes them a little easier to trade if you're doing some retentions as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. man, just the uh, the spinning. Hey, man, I think the um, the window is closing in Tampa, in my opinion. Boston's as well with just the four group, anyways. Their defense and goalies are good. But, uh, yeah, I think the Leafs, again, have a good opportunity here for first in the Atlantic. And uh, let's play the Pittsburgh Penguins round one and just have some fun, right? James, I hope you know with what you just said that the Lightning are going to go on another three-peat or something like that just because you said that. Andre Vasilevsky's he's just like, you forgot the belt. He's, he's just yeah. like in his mask and he's just like, what did he say? <laughs> He's just crazy eyeing me. Yeah. Listen, I yeah. said that about the Boston Bruins last year. I said they were done. They're going to step back with their injuries and all that stuff, and they blew the doors off. So mm-hmm. maybe I just gave the yeah, magic tonic one. over to them. But yeah, hey, yeah. thanks, James. It's Tanner okay. Janot's about to have 45 goals this year because of you. Listen, if you know, you know. <laughs> but, David, I want to thank you very much. You always make time for us. I love it. If you guys are not tuning into Locked On Leafs, they are a daily Leafs podcast. Listen to them. They have great insight after every single game. Get you prep for game days. Love it. Love listening and tuning in. And then love have David over here to pick his brain on things that I want more clarification on. Or Clark or Dylan, same thing. But David, thank you so much, man, for always coming on. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, we can't wait to be breaking down to that first preseason game with us. Fine tooth comb. <laughs> Oh, uh, don't worry. Hey, at least it's a little meat on the bone, right? It's not nothingness. Uh, yes. No more nothing burgers. There's actual stuff to talk about. Absolutely. Exactly. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you know what this is right here? This is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk. <laughs>